the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. But uh, people aren't going to go away. I mean, there's got to be some accountability and there's going to be uh, some answers, hopefully, because the opportunities that are lost and I think the more information that comes out, I, I, the, at the very least, if I were a parent, it would be this, at the very least, at the minimum, tell me why I can't play and or at least tell me why we can't try maybe they'll get some answers saturday morning at 11 o'clock in the rotunda of ohio stadium ohio state's parents will be there to protest probably a lot of fans will be there to protest will the covid police be there to make sure they're socially distant and masked up i don't know anymore somewhere last night at the uh, soccer game i attended there was uh, a covid officer that's how it works in ohio high school sports good morning everybody welcome to wednesday edition spielman and hooley we tackle live podcast. Every school, every event has a COVID officer, and they prowl the grounds and make sure everybody's compliant. I was compliant last night. Might have seen photographic evidence of that on Twitter. I actually liked your Twitter feed, and I was uh, envious of you last night. It was fun to be at a game. I can't say that I enjoyed it as much right. as I would have without a mask. It was hot, and the mask makes it hotter. Did you take a break from your mask at all? I took a break just to lift it momentarily to drink Water, okay. you're allowed to take Did your own water. officer? No, he didn't say anything to me. My daughter is the is the sort of the first line of COVID officer defense. She told me that part of the penalty is that if the COVID officer sees you without your mask when you get out of the car or at the game, she, that officer can call the game right there and call a forfeit. Wow. It's, it just fascinates me. So I wonder, okay, Maslin and McKinley playing high school football. Right. Maslin, of course, in front, leading fourth quarter. What's to stop a McKinley fan from going over to the Maslin side and taking off their mask? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's very well could happen. I, I look at it and and I I appreciate everybody doing everything they can so that our kids, at the very least, since our all our universities or uh, except UC and I think Youngstown. Yeah. Oh, no, Youngstown canceled. Yeah. They canceled. Well, they're gonna, I think they're going to be able to play in the spring. Okay. Which, again, we talked about the FCS yeah. is, yeah. is yeah. important for them. And I'm talking about all fall sports, though, mm-hmm. because, yeah. you know, we're going to talk here in a second about Ohio State and the hit they're going to take financially. Ooh, big but, hit. but But for me, I, I mean, I appreciate everybody's efforts to at least allow these kids to play because That's it's true. not about, you know, even though it's a parent, it's not about your enjoyment. Right. It's about the experience that uh, the kids get to have. It's about the lessons that sports teach. And to deny them that opportunity is sinister. And my Yes, I said sinister because I am of the firm belief, and nobody will ever be able to convince me any differently because of evidence in data, which is in science, that sports are just as important, in some cases more important, as lessons taught in the classroom, we learn how to deal with real life issues, real life problems, socially, uh, on on a practice field or in a game. Mm-hmm. You learn how to fail and fail and fail. Then you learn how to overcome and achieve. And so it's a small sacrifice, although it's inconvenient and it's a pain in the rear end. At least um, we're doing our best to uh, allow the kids to play. So. I was thinking about this and and what it means to uh, sacrifice. Mm -hmm. 
And I think overall, I don't care what anybody says, the data says it. The goal um, was to uh, flatten the curve. The goal was not to overwhelm, overwhelm the health care system. And so we did that, Ohio, and it's I think it's great. Now, and pretty much for, everybody yeah, did that. I, right? I, yeah, and yeah. so, you know, I, I think that people were so uh, indebted and afraid of ramifications, whether it be litigation against you, that they're being overcautious, and hopefully we can continue to uh, make our way out of the stringent rules and continue slowly to get back to normal. And it was interesting. I, I looked at your Twitter last night, liked your photo of you with the mask, proving to all those naysayers out there that think you're a rebel and you don't wear a mask, <laughs> which, you know, it's been proven, and your word is your word. Anybody that knows anything about Bruce Hooley, the one thing you can know about him, he's not a liar. If he's telling you he's wearing a mask, he's wearing he's wearing a mask. And the other thing was that driving out here to the hinterlands, uh, something I thought I'd never be pleased to be stopped behind was a school bus. Oh. So, I mean, those are little That's things. Great. I little said the last time I saw yeah. a school bus was uh, at the beginning of March yeah. on the road. So I'm just glad that you got to have some experience. It's not what we all want, but, you know, unfortunately, the powers to be right now uh, get to make the rules. And we have to follow the rules because both you and I, although we may disagree with some of the rules, it doesn't matter. We still follow right. the rules. Absolutely. And, you know, in terms of from a player perspective last night, what I noticed different, they sit the kids, they have chairs six feet apart on the sideline. Players come to the sideline. They wear masks. Um, they don't greet each other like after the game. Usually there's some the players shake hands or something like that. They came within like, I don't know, 20, 30, maybe 20 yards of each other and waved to each other. It was a good game sportsmanship-wise. Uh, my daughter's team won the game 4 to nothing. She played really well and uh, was fun to get back yeah. to some degree of normalcy. You know, what I wondered about, were they going to play the national anthem? And they did. They did play the national anthem. Mm -hmm. I just think that's a league decision um, because I thought it wasn't when it normally was. Right. They don't. Oh, but one of the things they don't do, they don't introduce the players and have them run out to the field and stand next to each other. They get in position to play the game, and then they introduce them from their positions. So they are doing their best to accommodate normalcy with some adjustments to it. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm going to cover a high school football game Friday night. Nice. I'll see you how... Go back to your roots. Go back to my roots. I love yeah, it. Yeah. Are you excited about I'm, that I'm, at all? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of excited yeah, about good, it. Yeah, good. Good. Which excited. game is it? It's uh, Troy Christian against Dayton Christian. Okay. In um, and, uh, Miamisburg. Good thing Ohio. is the Christians are going to win. Christians are going to win. <laughs> That's right. The Lions are not going to win. The Christians will win on a Friday night. So, yeah, I'm covering a guy that used to coach at Troy High School who's coached 30-some years there and then retired and... So I'm kind of doing, you know, his comeback to coaching, although he coached Troy Christian after he coached at Troy, but he's taken a three-year lapse, and now he's back, and it's in his blood. And as I said last week, I got the chance to visit some high school football practices, and this is true of tennis practices, soccer practices, whatever. You just see the passion that the coaches have for it, and you see the kids just so glad to get back out there and compete. See the video up there? Yes, I do. Can you fix that? What's wrong? Chris Spielman and Bruce Hooley, where you're I, – I, just... I put you first. Well, I, I get that, but it doesn't match up with the picture. Do you see that? Oh, well, okay, sure. I can change that if you want. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's really annoying to me. All right, that I well, let me double. Let me, I don't uh, want to be mistaken. For I thought if I did it... Uh... <laughs> okay, very good. <laughs> <laughs> I thought if I did I it this I, way... I don't deserve 
first of all, I don't. I'm not a two-time state champion, so uh, I I don't want to take all-American. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. Four-time pro champion. bowler. Yeah. Yeah. What else? Who's counting? Yeah, who's counting? Well, you, I mean, if we're going there, we yeah, well, let's go Lom- there. Lombardi Trophy. There you <laughs> go. Exactly. One time. What happened your junior year? <laughs> I had an uh, off year. What do you want me to tell here, you? Here, you want me to do it this way? Well, we can fix it next broadcast. No, no, uh, we'll do it this way. See that? I don't. See Bruce Hooley and Bruce Hooley. Yeah, yeah, of course. One, two, three, me. It's always been that way with this show. <laughs> Just remember, Bruce, what kind of show is it when oh, I'm here? Oh, a bigger show. Much bigger show. <laughs> Much bigger show. Yeah, we'll get that off of there. Oh, funny. So, um, but, but how are the, uh, but here's the thing. So, uh, you posed an interesting, uh, question on Twitter, and I wonder what the, the Twitter, I mean, what the, what the, what is the guy, COVID, COVID, he's police? a COVID officer, I think, COVID officer. Called. and I'm not clear who hires him. I, I can't imagine the state's involved in that. There are too many athletic Probably contests. I believe it's the home school okay. is responsible for uh, having a COVID officer patrol the what stands. What an awful job. I, th- I think, you know, the thing about it is we've seen this. Whenever you give somebody authority, <laughs> there will be a hopefully few who will abuse the authority. I can't imagine calling a forfeit, you know, unless a person's just intractable. And, no, I'm not going to wear my right. mask. And, but if you're at the game, you're there for someone to watch someone. And like my daughter said, Dad, look, wear your mask as soon as you get out of your car. You don't want to embarrass your kid. You don't want to be that guy. You don't be the want to be the person that, you know, causes a ruckus. Uh, so, yeah. Was there plenty of spacing for parents? Plenty. Of- at a soccer game, it's not a problem. Like, okay. for instance, there were no parents from Madison Plains on the opposing uh in the opposing stands yeah. and then there were people like cheering at times that the home team wouldn't cheer and i was like what's the deal with that well it was they were all congregated on one sideline which i thought was weird right in one set of bleachers like wouldn't we be more distant if they their parents right. went over there but whatever it's fine so uh i and i, I think from now on uh, at least at jonathan alder and i would presume at most schools you're going to buy your tickets online okay so they can control exactly how many people get in yeah i mean i again I, I everybody's doing everything and and i i really believe you know it's not the athletic department's decision it's not the coach's decision they're doing what they're told to do yeah. and there's probably some of them are swallowing a bitter pill um well i talked be, to a football coach in west well i just want to make this one point they're swall- just because they want the opportunity for the kids to play because they Understand the importance of sport and extracurricular activities as part of the total education of the child, and that's got to be number one priority. Absolutely. No doubt. But, you know, at your smaller schools, the athletic director kind of is a one-man band. He has a lot to do. I talked to a football coach in Western Ohio last week who said his AD didn't want to deal with the headache of dispersing the 150 tickets that he has available for a football game based upon their size of the si- uh, size of the bleachers. He put the football coach in charge of it. He's like, here's 150 tickets for your parents. You, you disperse them. And the football coach is like, I don't want to be the one to disperse the tickets because, you know, what do you do if you have a par- uh, parents who are divorced and one's remarried and you, you give them, the you give them two tickets. I said, yeah, just give them to the kid. Give each kid like, there's your tickets. X number of tickets. You, you, you give them out to who you want. Yeah. So it can be there can be some ticklish situations. Hopefully people have patience with sure. it and it'll all work out. All right. To uh, the number one story for us today. Ohio State projects a $130 million 
athletic revenue decline for 2021 due to the cancellation of fall sports. $130 million. So as far as I know, they're still planning on playing in the spring. It ain't happening, people. You don't think they're going to play at all? No shot, no. Wow, not even like... See, I hope Nick I'm wrong. Saban, Nick Saban made the point this week that uh, a spring season will be, his term was a JV season. Now, Nick Saban has a lot to gain from that comment. He's in the SEC. He can use that as a sure. wedge against the Big Ten. You know, so Doesn't mean it's not true. Doesn't mean it's not true. If the Chris Olaves, Josh Myers, Wyatt Davis, uh, Justin Fields, on and on, Sean Wade's don't play in the spring, I said, I think it'll be... Normal spring football with a higher profile. Maybe a cut above normal spring football because you'll have some Baron Brownings and some Pete Werners maybe yeah. who will play. Sure. Guys who were who haven't wanna, solidified yeah. their draft position yet. But not everybody's going to The play. problem is they're going to miss the combine. They're going to miss workouts. They're going to miss interviews. Well, they moved the combine you can't serve, back. But, you can't, move but back. still, you can't serve two masters. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was having a discussion with a friend about this, somebody who's very bright and very innovative, and is always is a is a really good thinker. Is a guy that I used to work with at ESPN, and he was on the production side. We have very good conversations. Um, it's interesting uh, as I talk about politically, we're totally different, uh, different, uh, actually different religions. Hmm. But it's just we have just great conversations because we're civil and we talk to each other and not over each other. And we bounce ideas off each other all the time. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about, well, can't they just take a week off, like have a bye week and everybody go prepare for the NFL? Well, that's not to me, that's not fair to the kid because he might be beat up from playing in a game. Right. 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 Or it's not fair. I think to the, um, to the, Ohio State as a team. It's not fair to your teammates that your focus is not on the team. Your right. focus is on my future, your individual future. So we kind of came into agreement, oh, yeah, that probably wouldn't work. Um, so I, I just I don't see it happening. Uh, I think we talked about this a little bit on Monday. You asked me what I think the interest level would be, and I put a percentage on it, and that percentage was probably about 50% interested. I know that I wouldn't be as interested um, I would follow it, of course. If I weren't, if I wasn't doing anything else, I'd probably watch it. But it just doesn't mean as much because you're really not playing for anything. You're you're not, and you can say that you are. Yeah, if the other three not. leagues have played, you know, and and I don't see what's going to change in three months, besides an election. I don't think I don't see what is going to change. Uh, because I keep hearing this, and I agree with this, that the virus is probably going to be here, so we all just have to to learn to live with it. The most disappointing thing for me when I look at this, Bruce, um, is Ohio State or the Big Ten. I don't want to say Ohio State. I want to say the Big Ten. And I understand Ohio State's wanting to stay solidified with the Big Ten. I'm not a proponent of, well, screw the Big Ten, let's go to the SEC. I, I just don't, I think that's a rash decision and one okay. that you'd probably regret in okay. the long run. I just don't understand what the hurry was. That's 
where my suspicions rise. Yeah. You, you didn't even give it a shot. I get why the Mac had to do it, because the Power Five cut the throat of the Mac by denying them $11 million. Okay, I get why the Mac did it. But why did – and the Pac-12, they do their own thing. They're basically irrelevant anyway, maybe one or two teams that have our interest out there. But why the Big Ten did this, I need to know why, because it makes no sense – no sense. Were you trying to, did you have the ego? And believe me, I've been guilty of putting my ego ahead of other things. Did you actually think that we're the mighty Big Ten and we're leading and everybody will follow us? I think there was some of that, yeah. I really Which do. is so arrogant and a huge yeah. mistake. And we've already seen the personal problems this this creates with Iowa cutting four sports, yeah. killing the opportunities of the total educational experience of student athletes. And we already saw Nebraska chop or furlough 51 people, real jobs and real people for what? For trying to make a statement of look how woke we, or what is the term where you, I'm not woke. Uh, what, idealistic. Look how idealistic we are. Yeah. Look what kind of leaders we are when this is changing daily and mm -hmm. the news seems to get in my opinion, better and better each day. Yeah, um, here's an email. Podcast email.com from Joe in Wasion. He says, I talked to my doctor is today. That, is that in Ohio, by the way? Wasion is right up tucked up in the corner of Ohio. Yes, it is. I uh, believe northwest corner. Talked to my doctor today about COVID-19 to get a professional opinion. He said it's confusing, and they're getting more data every day. Um, what I want to point out is we talked about younger people and being safe at school. He stopped me right away and said he has a doctor friend who has a college-age child who has COVID and now has 50% heart function, no use of his left arm. Mm -hmm. I'm getting tired of the same thing every episode. You guys yelling, what are we doing? I would mm -hmm. say they're doing the best they can with the information they have. I do enjoy your show. I'm just tired of all the COVID discussion. The problem so am is, I, Joe. We're tired of it, too. The problem is it's, it's interwoven with everything because when we talk about Ohio State and their projected $130 million shortfall, it's because of COVID because – Big, they don't have fall sports. They don't have the ability to sell tickets. It's it's Clemson furloughing hundreds of employees September 1st to the end of the year. Half of their workforce, half so. of their athletic department workforce. Uh, if you make $400,000 or more, you got to take 12 days off. I mean, I, I would imagine most people react to that and say, well, if I made four hundred grand, I could afford to take 10 days, 12 days off. 10% uh, pay cuts for those above four hundred k. So Dabo Sweeney's going to take a big cut. Um there no no news yet out of Ohio State about taking huge cuts. Purdue, Jeff Brom, Matt Painter, their AD, taking a 20% cut. So, I mean, I know they get it. They make a lot of money. I'm just saying that the people that are making $60,000 have to take a week off, and that that hurts when yeah. you got to take a week off. You're making $60,000. So it's interwoven with everything. We're trying to find a balance. Yeah. The NFL is playing. That's the good thing. Uh, the Blue Jackets did play, and there's one note on that. John Tortorella's... Um, quick exit from his post-game press conference after the Blue Jackets game five loss to Tampa has earned him a twenty-five thousand dollar fine. What's the, what's a coach's? I'm not a I'm not a fan of John Tortorella's condescending, abrupt post-game manner and his refusal to answer questions about things fans care about, like oh. the power play a couple years ago. Power play stinks. You're the coach of the team. The power play is keeping you from winning. Fans are buying tickets. I think it's a reasonable inquiry 
to make, why does your power play I'm going to get to that. I'm going to address that email. Okay. I go back to say, and he asked me, what, what are we doing? I get that there's bad things that can happen. All right. But, but the fallout of the majority of people, the majority of college kids are going to be okay if they get COVID. That's been proven mm -hmm. over and over, and the numbers don't lie. Mm -hmm. You know, nothing, nobody wants this. But what are we doing is we're talking about you're taking and affecting people's lives by taking their jobs away. You're taking student-athletes' opportunities mm -hmm. away for the total education. Yes, bad things happen in this life. Crazy things happen. Cameron Smith had an open-heart surgery. Nothing to do with COVID, but a COVID test saved his life, linebacker for the Minnesota Vikings. So what are we doing? We're, we made a quick decision in the Big Ten uh, that uh, was not based, I don't think, on all the information. I get everybody's doing the best they can. We all get it, Joe. But we're making these decisions that have ramifications, and there's cost or more cost. You know, what, what, what do you choose? There's risk or greater risk. And I happen to fall on the side. The greater risk is not to give yourself every opportunity to try to get this season in for the fall. Not because of money, although money is Money's important. Money is very important because it affects people's lives. So uh, I appreciate where you're coming from, and I feel very badly for the young man that uh, had that issue, and I, I, I'm going to pray that he gets better and healthier. But because something bad happens to somebody else, that should not be the reason why we stop moving forward. You can never stop moving forward because if every time something bad happens to an individual and that individual wants other people to stop doing what you do, stop living life, stop playing sports, stop taking this risk, stop taking that risk, then we then we cease to live. Yeah, yeah. No, that's and true. I would never ask anybody who has lost somebody or somebody who's been devastated, who's lost their job. I would never wish that upon anybody else, and I would never tell them to stop doing what you think is best for you moving forward. That's why I say, what are we doing here? Yeah. Okay, now, the other thing. With Tortorella, what's the responsibility of a coach to answer, questions answer the questions about his team's the performance? The problem is... I don't know how quickly he comes into his press well, I'm conference. I'm sure they have a 10-minute cooling off. Yeah, it's, I think it needs to be longer with certain individuals, if you're asking me. Yeah. You know, I, I, I really do because, you know, they just got knocked out of the playoffs. All right? Everybody's been through stress. Certain guys— I don't think that was their elimination game. Well, what, did, okay. they, did they lose 4-1? I, I think they won 2 at the— I don't remember. Okay, it, it doesn't matter. I think for certain guys, there is an obligation— that you have to speak, or you know, you can get be condescending or not cooperative. I think Marshawn Lynch is the perfect example of that. Mark Bavaro, tight end for the New York Giants, refused to talk. So, it, it, I when I was a player, I hated talking, and pl reporters loved to talk to me. And my locker was full when we lost a game. When we won a game. I might have had two guys over there because I'm not interesting when we win. When we lose, I'm interesting. Yeah. But I've always believed, and you can talk to anybody that I've ever dealt with in the media, I've always believed that there's an obligation, in my opinion, this is just my opinion and what rule I live by, there's an obligation uh, 
to the fans. And the NFL actually has a rule that you have to appear. You know that from the Super Bowl press conferences. If you're asked to talk, you have to talk. There's an op- there's a media segment open to the media, usually uh, after meetings and before practice during like a lunch hour. You have access to the players. You remember that when you were beat writer for the yep. Dolphins. Yep. So uh, there's an obligation, a league obligation, and how one conducts themselves. Uh, I think if if I were the Blue Jackets, I say, look, Torts, I, I get it. I get that you're frustrated. I get that you think everybody's a hockey idiot. Yep. And I understand that. Don't like the questions. But you, but you know you have an obligation to answer the questions. And I think people respect a guy that answers like Urban, like Coach Tress and Urban, total opposites. Total opposites. In in press, Coach Tressel handled the press well. He took the questions, and he was very skilled at taking the answer to where he wanted it yes, to go. Was. Yes, he was. And that's fine. And Urban, if you asked him a question, and he wasn't always like this. By the way, at, at Florida, he was not even close to this. But if you asked Urban a question, oh, that was awful. <laughs> I mean, that and he took it the way he wanted to go. Yeah. But at least they stood there and took the questions, all of them. And so I appreciate that. And I understand Torts' frustration. I really sure, do because you put all that loses. time and effort and, you know, you get knocked out. But don't – I mean, there's a better way – I guess I'm saying there's a better way for him to handle it than he handles it now. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, I assume he'll be back uh, next season. This is certainly not, you know, anything that the club would look at and use a- against him in terms of his long-term viability as coach. He's done a – Nice job getting the Blue Jackets to a certain level. He's made them a perennial playoff team, and that is certainly a distinction from what they were before his arrival. Sure. I do think there are coaches who can get you to a certain level and then can't get you beyond that level, and I'm not sure if that's him or if that's just their talent level relative to the other teams around them. I don't, but it's certainly, I don't know enough about hockey. Yeah, I don't there. either, And it's certain, but it's certainly – I mean, there's a sameness to their exits. You know, it's – it's, yeah. They finally got by the first round. They've done that twice, but they can't get by the second round. So uh, I think Tampa's unquestionably a more talented team than they are. I want to go back to Ohio State's sure. uh, money situation. $60 million of OSU's total athletic revenue for the last year on record, 2019. $60 million of it was ticket revenue. Now, you know, the, assuming they'll get some basketball ticket revenue, some, I don't know, if we're going to play in empty arenas or not, I had the chance to talk to a basketball player this week. I said, when you watch an NBA game, is it weird? It's like, yeah, really weird. No yeah. fans. I said, what do you think about how that will impact you? He said, well, road games probably be easier. Won't have to battle the crowd. He said, but home games will be harder. Won't have the crowd to lift you. Let's go back to your AAU days. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what then you got your parents. It's yelling. elevated AAU, yeah. Yeah, but uh, $60 million ticket revenue, and that's why you know Clemson's playing, but they're not going to have a full stadium. That's why they have to furlough tons and tons of people. But, yeah, this, but, but this, there's also, but they do, they won't take as big a hit as a Big Ten because right. of the TV revenue. No, right, exactly. This stood out at me, and I just thought this was odd uh, that Ohio State in 2020 had a $248 million, now as a university, not as an athletic department, had a $248 million surplus. For the 2020 fiscal year, mm. thanks in part to $170 million 
in federal stimulus funds that Ohio State received from the CARES Act. So the difference between those two numbers is $78 million. Can you explain to me why if you have a $78 million surplus, you're taking $170 million from the government? I don't. If a business did that, they'd get roasted. What is the CARES Act? The CARES I'm, Act I'm, I'm is embarrassed the, the, to say I don't know what it is. The CARES Act is the stimulus that the government came up with, the trillions and trillions they came up with you know, to help people get through COVID. Okay. They All gave that. lots okay. of money to businesses, lots of money to individuals. They gave $170 million to Ohio State. I don't have. I, I don't thought they have were a nonprofit. Like they got seventy-eight million banked, and then they get a hundred and seventy million in federal stimulus. That just that stuck out to me. I didn't know if you yeah. you're a lot more savvy on some of that stuff than I am. Just thought I'd ask you. Well, I I know what the CARES Act is, and uh, I don't understand that. I know that uh, some schools that applied for that Harvard Harvard coming to mind. Harvard was is the benefactor of, of billions of dollars of their. What is that? Not, it's an not endowment. A, an endowment. You got right? an endowment. They got a bunch of money back. Yeah. yeah most and schools do. Most schools do. And I think Harvard received some money from a CARES Act. If I'm not mistaken, Harvard gave that money back, if I remember the story yeah. correctly. If anybody out there is watching on the stream, so, on Twitter, on Facebook, on yeah, YouTube, and you have an explanation that us, yeah. for that, let us know. Put it in the I, comment section. I don't, have a, I don't have an explanation of why they accepted that money. Maybe... Uh, they were allowed. It, it was, it was that, that's the first time I've seen it reported. I've heard of some other schools receiving that money. Um, but those other schools, after a little bit of a public outcry, and I, I can only think of Harvard right now as the example, but I know there was more than one or other companies mm -hmm. that actually said, well, we don't need this. Don't need people it. need it more yeah. than we need it. So put it toward the people as opposed to this because we do have $5 billion banked for a rainy day or for an endowment or whatever you use that for. Uh, let's turn to the NFL, but first a word about our friends at Willis Spangler Starling, the attorney firm that you need if you have any legal issues in your life, if you're trying to set up uh, wills, uh, a trust, an estate, something like that, trying to get through probate, if you have a personal injury issue, a uh, workers' compensation issue, whatever your legal need is, Willis Spangler Starling equipped to handle it with the highest integrity, character, and expertise. Willis Spangler Starling is located on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard, uh, you can locate them online, find out more about their firm, read their helpful blog with lots of great instruction and a way for you to protect your legal rights and know your legal rights at willisattorneys.com, willisattorneys.com. Again, the full name of the firm, Willis Spangler Starling, online, willisattorneys.com. Uh, Browns, injury issues mounting for I the Cleveland yeah, Browns. They I, lost Grant Delpit, who was kind of a steal where they got him in the draft, a nice uh, defensive back out of LSU, torn Achilles out for the year. It... <laughs> It's just the, I mean, it's the way it is, right? And one of the beautiful things about the NFL, and maybe, maybe because of my training, because of my upbringing, because of where I, I've spent most of my life, that when somebody has suffered something, bad luck, you feel terrible mm. about it, right? But you're trained to move forward. I mean, you just are. Well, you have to. You don't have any choice. You, don't, you have zero NFL, choice, You're going to play right? the game whether he's there or not. And, you know, that's why I talk about the total education of what sports brings. And and one of the lessons that I've learned, if, if somebody has something unfortunate happen to them, you care for them, uh, you feel for them, you support them, but you move forward. Mm -hmm. 
And and I, I think that's my mindset throughout this whole COVID thing, and that's the mindset of an NFL player. It's got to be the mindset of the Browns because the train doesn't stop. Four of their five, four of their top five DBs are out right now, and the pass offense, according to those allowed into practice, the few, looks bad. The pass can't off- get anything going. Is well, that a I, is that a worrisome event? Yeah, it's a worrisome point event because you got a new coaching staff, new coordinators, exactly. new offense, new everything. And what I what I say last week when we were talking about Baker Mayfield, it's yeah. not that Baker Mayfield isn't talented. It's not that OBJ or David Njoku or Jarvis Landry, all these guys are very talented sure. guys. Austin Hooper too. Yeah, yeah all these. Uh, yeah, Austin Hooper who came over from I believe the Atlanta Falcons, who's a really good player, uh, really good tight end. You kind of hope this stuff gets figured out in two weeks or two and a half weeks whenever we're kicking off. To, But this is not a surprise because when you when you eliminate all your learning curve, which were the OTAs, mm-hmm. you eliminate preseason games to get better timing because even the, you, you cannot simulate preseason games in practice and you cannot simulate regular season games in preseason games. So the natural evolution of picking up a new offense has been hindered because of the situation that we're doing or dealing with. And that's why I said when I'm looking at the NFL this year, uh, I, I think teams that have had the same offense or the same coordinator are going to have an advantage. I'm not saying they're going to win a the game. They're going to have an advantage. And and. When you look at Baker Mayfield, it's just, and you so rightfully pointed out to us on Monday, and we talked about this, you had Hugh Jackson's offense his rookie year, mm-hmm. you had Freddie Kitchen's offense his second year, and you now you have brand new terminology and a new offense his third year. And not only does that affect Baker Mayfield, it affects OBJ, Njoku, Hooper, Nick yeah. Chubb, all your skilled players. The offensive line will be able to pick it up because things kind of are, are pretty similar. But uh, for the receivers and the quarterback, it's just learning a new language and getting timing in a new offense and when he wants the ball released or what type of offense. Is it a play action? Is it a drop back? Is it the quick game? Is it the long game? What are we doing here? And it takes a while to develop that chemistry. And that chemistry, a lot of those kinks are worked out through OTAs in preseason. Well, when you eliminate that, that's a reason why they pass offense, according to the people that have been able to attend a Browns practice may be uh, struggling at this point. Yeah, we're going to get to the Bengals where the uh, reviews on Joe Burrow are decidedly different. First, a reminder about our official coffee, Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee. Delicious coffee sourced direct from growers throughout the world. Indonesia, Thailand, Ethiopia. Wonderful, wonderful company. They do great things for the growers in their local communities. And you get the best coffee that you can get. Mr. Spielman approves of the coffee, drinks it every morning. Uh, well, there's a covert coffee war now that's full-blown yeah. in the house. You uh, put any in your drawers, any of your K-cups no, in but your I've, drawers? I've, keep it away I've, from your lovely wife? I've discovered that she has uh, taken the first course of aggressiveness Uh-oh. against me. She strategically, in the middle of the night, I'm convinced of this, went through the boxes the two boxes. Yeah, that we you had got. two boxes of K-Cups. Pulled out all the Hunter's Blend from those boxes, denying me Hunter's Blend. And then I found it by accident because I don't know. We're still we moved. I still don't know where anything is. <laughs> so I looked through every drawer. And I conveniently find all the Hunter's Blends tucked away in hiding 
for her pleasure. Archived somewhere. Yes. Right? And yeah, so there's going to be a little bit of an issue. But she thinks that I don't know this. Mm-hmm. Now the cat's out of the bag. Oh, well, it is. I don't know if she's watching or not. Ah, she's always watching. So usually she is. But um, I, I got to tell you, Care, you drew first blood. Yeah. I don't know if you watch Rambo lately or not. <laughs> but you drew first blood, sir. It's on, Care. It is on. There we go. So when you start, when you're going to ask me something that you need and you're looking for it and you can't find it, hey, maybe it's with the hunter's blood that you confiscated. Hopefully, it won't be as explosive as Rambo. (laughs) Uh, You can get your own hunter's blend, your uh, Jamaica me crazy, your uh, favorite cup, however you want it. Light, medium, dark roast, K cups, or in beans, they'll do whatever you want. Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. Dot com is the website. You get 15% off when you use the promo code We Tackle Life. It's scrolling along the bottom of the podcast right now as we speak. Uh, one last thing on the Browns. The over-unders are out from Vegas on number of win totals for teams. You establish a number, and you bet they're either going to win more games or less games. The number on the Browns is 8.5. That's what I it was. 8.5. Well, they, won, they won nine two years ago, didn't they? Or were they eight and eight? I think they won nine two years ago. Yeah, I'm taking the under. I'm taking the under. They have the third easiest schedule in the NFL. Still taking the under. Yeah, I'm taking the under too. History. Too many years. Seventeen straight years, no playoffs. Too many questions on defense still uh-huh. and the secondary the, the issues. Injury, secondary time. issues and new offense. Two rookies on the O line right now. Jedrick Wills at left tackle. We don't know he's a right tackle in college. Yeah. I I I just I'm not confident I, I was more confident last year maybe this is good maybe because yeah. i'm not confident they'll do the opposite maybe i was so. i was more confident last year than i was this year i i do think you know offensively they can get it together because they have really good we players. didn't even I mention mean, nick chubb or kareem hunt well i was going to talk yeah. about nick chubb because nick chubb is uh, and i know you were a big fan of nick chubb mm-hmm. coming out and kudos to you for making that call but nick Chubb is tremendous. And then you have Kareem Hunt. So there's a one-two combination Mm -hmm. that there are not many better in the league. In fact, if I had to pick two running backs, I can't just pick one, but I had to pick two as a tandem, those would probably be my first-round draft pick. Yeah, those Those two guys really solid. So So you'd pick the under at 8.5 on the Browns. All right. Would you care to guess what the Bengals over-under Six and a half. It's actually five and a half. Now, they won two games last year, Mr. Spielman, two. So, at five and a half, they'd have to improve four wins. But let me give you one other stat. They were 0-8 in one-possession games. Now, a one-possession game can be a deceiving stat. Yeah, yeah. Because you could kick a field goal at the end to go from 10 down to 7 down. Hence, it's a one-possession game. It really wasn't. Uh, But 0-8 still. They didn't win any games that they had a reasonable chance of winning. I, I did a little informal uh, study last year of the over the years, and last year was included, I think, the year before. So about 80% of that games I do, and I tell everybody this, they come down to the fourth quarter. Had an interesting conversation with Mike Zimmer, and I make this point every year, and I've always known it. I just didn't phrase it like Mike Zimmer. For those of you who don't know, Mike Zimmer is the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. So in a production meeting, I just asked them philosophy, all that, and their whole thing is for the Vikings, and it's true for the NFL. Because I, once he told me this, Bruce, I would take a, uh, I would ask this question in production meetings of other other head coaches. 
whoever wins the last 10 minutes of the fourth quarter usually mm-hmm. win the game. Mm-hmm. And Mike Zimmer believes in that so much that uh, their Sunday practice, which was canceled because of the f- uh, f- false positive tests coming out of that lab out of New Jersey on Sunday, that practice was only for the last 10 minutes of the fourth quarter. So everything was simulated to the last 10 minutes of the fourth quarter. So I get what you're talking about, those one-possession games, mm-hmm. because that's why people ask me, what do I enjoy more, doing college football or the NFL? I enjoy the NFL because every game is good. Now, bad news out of Bengals camp. I didn't know if you knew this, but, you know, I mean, show prep with you is hit or miss. It's hit or miss. <laughs> but A.J. Green has not practiced and has had injury issues. I've not heard that. Well, I've heard of that A.J. Not. Green, I've heard that Tyler Boyd and Joe Burrow have struck a nice relationship well, that, and that A.J. Green was going to be fine. Yeah, he's not practicing. Uh, hmm. And, you know, Wide receivers, you know, if everything isn't feeling right, if their towel's crooked, if their socks are wrong, if their tights are bunched, or whatever the case may be. This yeah, may be an overstatement. Yeah. You know, they're a little bit of high maintenance. I bit. mean, let's, you know, we can all agree with that, right? Uh, that's I, I hope, generally true, yes. Yes. It, <laughs> so I wouldn't be concerned, but A.J. Green has only played nine games mm-hmm. since 2018. And so with him not practicing, and if it's an issue, and I think it's a leg issue, I'm not for certain, but I know he's not practicing, so that's of concern. And if A.J. Green isn't 100% and John Ross isn't 100%, you know, again, we're, we're being stuck with the Bengals. The Bengals can be good and Joe Burrow can be good, but I get the six-and-a-half number because if you're counting on a rookie quarterback— Five-and-a-half. Five-and-a-half. You're counting on a rookie quarterback— to carry you to the promised land, that rarely happens, especially if you're a team that you can't, especially if you're a team that won two games the previous year. It's mm-hmm. not like they won nine games last year. They won two no, games. No, they did not. So, uh, yes, John Ross is back at practice. All right, what's that other headline According say? to uh, Cincy Jungle, A.J. Green still sidelined. <laughs> Look at you trolling the NFL I'm headlines. By the way, NFL, I'm just, I try to. Take pride in preparing for the podcast. I appreciate it very much. <laughs> keep keep doing the heavy lifting. <laughs> Man. Now, uh, Richard Deitch of The Athletic is reporting that you have a new partner on NFL games. Is there anything you can say about that? Can you confirm, deny? He says it's Kevin Kugler. I don't want to get you in a jackpot, well, but I, I just, I, since I it's just, your partner. I, I prefer to wait till okay. Fox makes the announcement. Okay. Um, I've worked with Kevin in the past, uh, one or two games. Mm-hmm. Kevin uh, is the lead voice on the Big Ten Network. Kevin is the lead voice on Westwood One NFL mm-hmm. Sunday Night Football on the radio. Uh, he is a great guy, uh, strong Christian guy. Um, not that that has anything to do with his job, but you know, well, make I, you guys a good fit. What, what I know about Kevin, uh, uh, and um, it's really. Worked hard, so if if he does get that opportunity, I am happy for him, and I have I'm happy for me because I he's very good at what he does. In the times that we worked together, uh, we've had great chemistry, and I've talked to three different guys that are in the running mm-hmm. for that job, and I've worked with all three. And whoever they pick, if that turns out to be true, that report, 
Uh, I am happy because with all three guys, if, whether the first time I did a game with them and I talked to all three about it, and I remember having this specific conversation in the airport after the game that it's felt like we've worked together for a long time. And so, and that's not a credit to me at all. It's a credit to them on how, how good they are. And being an analyst is easy. Being a play-by-play guy and a good play-by-play guy, it's such, it's, you, it doesn't seem like it's difficult because when you watch a game, they make it sound right. so easy. And it's unbelievably challenging. And to be able to focus on your job and still listen to have your you understand this yeah. because you've been in the media, you're focusing on your job and you're also listening to a producer in your ear about what tease is coming up next, and also listening to what I say so I can so that as a play by play guy I might be <clears throat> able to enhance that point with a little tidbit that I have mm-hmm. where I don't have to listen to the producer. I obviously listen to my uh, play-by-play guy so or my sideline person so I can either add to or enhance or at the very minimum acknowledge what that person said. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. The voice is in your head. If you're it's a play-by-play guy, you got the truck, you got you. Yeah. You got to think about what you got coming up. You, you got your statistician to your stat, left. You, you got, got your spotter to your right. You got your sponsor your stuff. reads. Yeah. You're all this stuff. Uh, Richard Deitch also reports that Laura Oakman is the sideline reporter on that crew. I believe last year, wasn't it? Shannon Spake. Is that, can you comment on the uh, sideline reporter? Do you know who your sideline reporter is? I think Fox is going to come out with an official announcement. Um, I can say this about Shannon. If she's not my sideline reporter, I worked with Shannon at ESPN and I've worked with her the last two or three years at Fox. She is a hustler. She takes pride in her job. She uh, welcomes feedback and she gives feedback. And she has made me a better analyst and I hope I've made her a better sideline reporter. So if she is going to another team, I would say that team is very lucky. Uh, Laura, I, I know, have not worked with Laura but everything I've heard about Laura and most people that reach the NFL mm. are very good at what she's they do. She's done it a long time. She's and she's, she's very bright. The test of time. I know that Laura also has a little business on the side that helps female broadcasters grow in the business, mm-hmm. and so she has a tremendous reputation. So if I work with either of them, I'll be very pleased because I know that they're pros, and so I'm. I'm I'm happy to be a part of any team, and for me, like playing, being an analyst for Fox NFL is a privilege, and I don't take it for granted, and I consider myself lucky, and I trust, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a company guy, I trust those people to put the personnel in place for everybody to be successful, no matter who that personnel is. Uh, Good job navigating that uh quite tactfully without saying anything yeah (laughs) good job tress speaking of working with everyone collegially that's the specialty of our friends at auiinfo.com you see their banner on the laptop aui at this time where everybody's in open enrollment and health insurance switching is a hot topic you as a business owner have the opportunity to get 
better health insurance for your employees than you currently have. But you don't have time to research it, look at costs, look at benefits, look at copays, look at all those intricacies. But AUI Info knows that information, and they're happy to share it with you as you formulate the best way to attract the best employees to your company. Benefits is a big part of that, and AUI Info can help you structure the best benefits for your employees. Also, very possibly help you with cost. Also, very possibly add to the entire picture of your business by giving you an HR expert to draw upon. That's Julie at AUIinfo.com. So get with Chrissy, get with Julie, get with Steve, get with the good folks at AUIinfo.com by clicking on it, AUIinfo.com. They're located in Akron, but they're licensed to work with any business in the state of Ohio. AUIinfo.com. Great people. Had the chance to have dinner with Steve and Chrissy, as I said, on Monday's podcast uh, at the end of last weekend. Really, really delightful people. Love hearing their story and hearing their passion for people. So give them a chance to help you as you build a family at your business with your employees, auiinfo.com, auiinfo.com. All right, Joe Burrow's getting rave reviews from CJ Uzama because yesterday in a drill, they were gonna they're gonna have the day off today. They needed to the scenario was the offense needed to score to win a game. So they need a touchdown to win the game. He, and Uzama said, if we didn't score, the defense was going to be chirping at us for 36 hours. And he said, I didn't want to hear it. So Burrow's running a must-score drill, and they face a fourth and six at the 27, and Burrow goes for it all and lobs it over Jesse Bates, and I forget who the corner was, to Auden Tate for the touchdown. And Uzama raved not only about the throw, but about how Burrow is making checks that he didn't expect a rookie quarterback to be able to make at this juncture of training camp. How much stock should we put in Joe Burrow's seamless assimilation to the NFL from what has so far been glowing reviews from everybody who's watched him and the players who play with him? Well, I think that's a positive sign. I mean, at least you're hearing that and you're not hearing negative stuff, Mm -hmm. uh, which can be possible. And I think when you get Joe... You know, you know you're going to get a guy that uh, mentally can pick up what you're trying to achieve, and you know that you're picking up physically because of the vast improvement that he made over year one. And so Patrick Mahomes is like that. I mean, there's certain guys, Bruce, that you draft that just get it, and the quarterback position is so challenging. I, I'd venture to say that it's more challenging mentally to p- play the position than it is physically mm-hmm. and quarterbacks yeah so. quarterbacks and so i mean i put stock into it but i also say there it hasn't been for real yet and yeah until i see it for real i'm going to be skeptical and that's not personal that's with every quarterback that's ever played the game in the nfl We'll see. Cincinnati Bengals, I would keep my eye on him if AJ Green gets back and he's got AJ Green and Tyler Boyd, a healthy Joe Mixon, maybe John Ross can finally contribute. I think John Ross, he was overdrafted at 9. Sure. But as a number 3, you know, that guy can cause you some trouble. You have trouble. to account for him yeah. on the field because of the long ball and so and Zach, you know, I think Zach Taylor, you know, we don't talk about him enough. Um, we talk about the Browns head coaches certainly at length. Mm-hmm. So I think Zach uh, was humbled last year. I think Zach is very mm-hmm. bright. I think he's learning how to be a play caller and a head coach. So not only are we looking at the improvement of the Bengals, but I think we have to look at the improvement of Zach Taylor as a head coach and see where that goes because that certainly, as you know, 
is just as important uh, for the Bengals to improve on the two wins that they had last year and also on the one-possession game. Some of those one-possession games, you're correct. You're very correct in saying that they're skewed, but others are you find a way to win, right? Yeah, and you and I have remarked before about Andy Dalton that Andy Dalton was the kind of quarterback who um, could win you a game, but he could also lose you a game. And he needed a lot of help to win Good you enough a game. to keep both teams in it. Good enough to keep both teams in it. Um, Joe Burrow, I labeled Andy Dalton early last year. Then the more you saw Joe Burrow, the more you saw his development uh, combined with his clear uh, hunger to get better and competitive nature. I think I was dead wrong on that, and I think that he has um, wow. a Did, very... What you say? I said I was dead <laughs> wrong on that. And I think he's got a chance. Um, I felt good about Baker Mayfield coming to the Browns, a losing culture with a swagger that he has. I feel good about Joe Burrow coming to the Bengals, a losing culture, not as losing, but a losing culture with the swagger he has. I think both organizations are challenged in the front office for slightly different reasons. But I've said before, the thing that intrigues me about Burrow and Baker Mayfield is that the Battle of Ohio had ceased to be a nothing game, a non-game, a no-buzz game. And Back when I was younger and Paul Brown was with the Bengals, that was a... Ohio State-Michigan game. That was twice a year, big-time, emotional, when, lots of attention game, and I would love it get, to get back to that. Even when I was playing it, and who could forget Sam White's grabbing the yeah. PA mic on the sidelines and told the fans, "Act, be more classy or whatever. I'm paraphrasing. You don't live in Cleveland, you live you in Cincinnati. You don't live in Cleveland. <laughs> That was not during a Browns game. The oddity of that was, yeah. was I think it was during a Seahawks game and there was a bad call yeah. and fans were throwing stuff on the field. And he's like, the next person, see somebody throwing on the field. That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, can I just make one observation sure. about the difference between Baker Mayfield mm-hmm. and Joe Burrow? Uh, again, I'm a fan of both guys, but if I was making an observation, I think with Baker, because of the chip on his shoulder, Baker came into the league telling everybody how good he is. Uh, wanting people to know. I think Joe comes into the league with that same confidence, but he doesn't feel the need to tell people how good he is. Does that make sense to you? Because I always get concerned when people start telling me how good they are. Yeah, me too. And Baker's been humbled. We'll see if Joe gets humbled, but I think he's come in with the right kind of attitude being uh, quiet and yet impressing. Extremely confident. Extremely confident. No doubt about it. Uh, all right. If you listen to our podcast, you know that we end every podcast with a faith portion of the podcast. That is our motivation for doing it. And we hope that you enjoy it. We hope you'll listen to it. And we hope you'll give us feedback on it via email, uh, SpielmanHooleyPodcast at gmail.com, via Twitter at WeTackle. Uh, also, you can hit us with a Facebook post. Um, We'd love to hear from you, and I will uh, pass to you. You want to start us today? So I had an acquaintance friend, somebody I've known from a long time, pass away this week of Mm. uh, cancer. No surprise there. I have another acquaintance that's, you know, waiting for a diagnosis. And... 
you know, it just doesn't stop. And, and, and I get that. And, and that's, you know, unfortunately, dying's part of living. And we all know that. So I was thinking about the families. And I've experienced both. Uh, waiting for a diagnosis and have somebody close pass away. And how overwhelming that can be. So I ran across this. I don't know the author, but uh, he, he says this. Now, when problems surround us and we feel overwhelmed by them, we all would like to escape them if it is only for a little while. When we turn our problems over to God, we can escape. Just as David wrote, though I walk in the midst of the trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. Psalms 138.7 For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Psalms 27.5 From Isaiah The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose water never fails. Uh, Isaiah 58.11 what is impossible with men is possible with God. Luke 18, 27. For, so, for those of you out there that are dealing with something that seems so overwhelming, that seems like I can't continue on with this, just, just pray that God will sustain you and that God will lift you up. And you will be amazed at how you're able to rise again. Uh, There were times where I felt so defeated. There were times where I felt so scared. There were times where I was embarrassingly weak. And I cannot emphasize enough that I could not come back. I could not feel joy again. I could not feel happiness again. I could not feel peace again. I could not be absent of fear again without trusting God, without having that faith when everything in the world on the secular side is telling you that you've been abandoned. You're not abandoned. And I'm just encouraging you to trust that, yes, there are storms and waves crashing or trials and tribulations, however you want to describe it. Just hang on. Just hang on. You got this, and God will lift you up again. I promise. He promises, more importantly. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You and I often talk about how what you're going to talk about and what I'm going to talk about intersect. Um, I had the chance to share this verse uh, with a friend the other night. First uh, Peter 5, 6, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand, uh, and in due time he will lift you up. I have reflected on that verse at times of adversity in my life. Mm-hmm. Humble yourselves. Okay, how do you humble yourself? Well, you said pray. Prayer indicates a submission to God's authority in your life. It is a way of yielding and saying, I realize I'm not in charge. I'm coming to you. I'm imploring you. I'm Casting myself as secondary to your will in my life. So that's humble, humbling yourself. 
you acknowledge that God has the mighty hand, that he is omnipresent, that he is omniscient, he's everywhere, he's in charge of everything. Um, You acknowledge that he may lift you up, that he has the power to lift you up, and it will happen in due time. Not in your time, Hmm. but in due time. So often we want it to happen in our time, but God's purposes are beyond our comprehension in the moment. In the moment, it's beyond our comprehension. Why won't you fix this? I went through a really wrenching emotional um, time in my life 24, 25 years ago, and I was like, why won't you fix this? Like, I want to fix this. I want you to fix this, and I know it's your will to fix this. Why won't you fix it? Well, he had a purpose in it, um, and it was an awesome purpose that I'm glad I didn't miss. I understand the purpose in hindsight, and I understand the benefit of waiting for him to lift me up in due time. When you're losing a loved one, there's no... um, sometimes you say, well, there's no good in it. And you're right. There's no good in it. Like, you know, taking a mother away from her children, Mm. taking a father away from their children. Especially unjustly. Yeah. It's just just, just very hard, nonsensical, unfair, any word you want to think of. But we live by uh, faith, which is our attitude in the moment. And we live by hope, which is our attitude in the future. Faith is what God's done for us already by sending his son to die for us on the cross, giving us the promise of uh, eternal life with him. And hope is that promise that we know it's going to come true sometime. So I find so much comfort in these times of, of trial, tribulation, uncertainty, unknown in the Bible, because I find the Bible to be the living, breathing word of God, that it can minister to me. Some days I'll read a chapter of something and it doesn't really speak to me. The, the next day, the next week, the next year, the next month, I'll read the exact same chapter, and it's like the words are seared right into my heart. That's why I say the Bible's the only book that can change your life every time you pick it up. Just one point on, on encouraging people, and this doesn't just go for people that are dealing with certain issues, but on encouraging people, um, I accidentally, I send out a Bible verse. Mm-hmm. I think you know this, too. Mm-hmm. A group of people every day, and it's like eighteen different groups. So sometimes it's hard to to keep track of with yeah. if you know somebody. So I actually hit a group text that I don't send a Bible verse out to, and I don't even know where these where people. Went. Yeah, yeah. So immediately I said, "I'm sorry, it's the wrong group. I apologize." Because I don't want anybody to think. Oh, right. Not right. I'm, to, I'm not imposing. Right. I'm you exposing, say that all the time. But I don't. I don't mean. I didn't mean mm-hmm. that. And I said apologies. And I got a text back and saying, uh, "I appreciate that. Please uh, never apologize for that." That was just one person in that group, mm-hmm. but that was encouraging. Maybe that person needed it. Yeah. That day. I, you're right. I don't. I, I don't think it was an accident. Sometimes our accidents aren't accidents. Aren't accidents. That's right. Uh, We appreciate you joining us today. Please flood us with nominations for COVID-19 relief, $250 to four winners on Friday. Podcast at gmail.com. Tell your friends they can watch the live stream in the morning or get the podcast on any platform. Review us on iTunes. We appreciate your input. We uh, hope you'll let us know what you think of our content. Podcast at gmail.com. Everybody have a great day.